You are listening to the Therefore a Geek podcast, episode 78. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Therefore a Geek. I'm Andrew. I'm Tracy. And today I'm going to do boss stuff. Are you wearing pants? Uh, shorts, but... And I burned the shit out of my feet at the beach yesterday. <sighs> On the sand or in the sun? Uh, in the sun. The tops of my feet are lobster red right now. Like, oh, everything else is fine. It's just, just the top of my feet. Just ow. Yeah, and I had I had two shows where I was wearing dress shoes yesterday. I did late show and and uh, early and late show at the palace, and by second show Saturday, shit was getting tingly, in a bad way. <clears throat> yeah, bad way. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Therefore I Geek podcast. Today we are going to talk about women in refrigerators. What the heck is it? What does it mean? Is it a thing? And what do we think about it? Now, before we get into that, we want to do a little news item. If you listen to last week's episode, we had a little bit of fun at the expense of Baltimore Comic Con's weapons policy. Well, in an effort to outdo the East Coast, Chicago's Wizard World convention has allowed a gun dealer to set up a booth at their convention, which I think was this weekend? When is that Chicago convention? I don't I have that pulled up. Hang on. I'll have it by the time you're done. That's right. But either way, this is according to the Hollywood Reporter's Heat Vision. And great. Now my browser starts saying not responding. But I got enough of it to take a look at it. The company DS Arms Inc., which describes itself on its website as, quote, noted specialists in U.S. and foreign small arms weapon systems up to 50 caliber, end quote. The company's website also explains that it offers training to the end user for operation, maintenance, arm, armors, cor uh, armors courses, and FAL rifles. So this, these guys got a booth at, a, at this convention. At first, it appeared that they were going to be banned, and then almost a couple of days later, the convention does uh, an about-face and readmits the company. The whole point was they are not selling any real weapons at the event, in which uh, Wizards' Jerry Molina clarified in email to heat vision when asked about the confusion the confusion uh we'll link the entire story uh in the show notes but i want to get the panel's response to wizard world chicago uh, allowing a company to a company like dcs or d ds arms having a booth at a comic-con and then the apoplectic mouth vomiting that comes out of some people who were just not happy with this yeah i um this is happening this weekend, and actually, I just read... Now, you can decide for yourself on the veracity of this particular website, but a website called BearingArms.com just pointed out that their booth was up for about an hour and a half and then was uh, taken down by con people. So the convention came through, decided that there were too many uh, complaints about it, and took it down. So I'll throw that in the show notes, and we'll kind of see what the what the fallout is probably tomorrow on Monday or, or Tuesday when this podcast actually goes live, we'll find out a little more information about that. So it's, it's, I, mean, I don't think it's cool, but Andrew, go ahead. I mean, I think, I think for one, I think, you know, if, if that's what the convention, the convention is okay with it, then, you know, these people, you know, basically the convention has the right to make up its own rules as to what they yep. will and won't allow. I think it's. I, I do think, like you mentioned, it's really humorous. This comes on the uh, on the heels of Baltimore banning, you know, basically everything up to and including Q-tips. Yeah, good point. And I mean, yeah, I think you're right. People are just grossly overreacting. I think 
do I, is this something I would personally want at a convention? No. But then again, I don't, I don't, just because it's there doesn't mean I have to patronize the booth. Right. I mean, my whole point was, I was curious, and, and the, the Heat Vision article doesn't really state this, but they weren't selling actual firearms at their booth, right? That would have violated the Wizard World policy. So there's no yeah. firearms at the booth from what I can understand. They're, they're selling, uh, I guess, non-firing or, or fake-firing weapons or airsoft stuff, maybe stuff like that. Stuff that you could imagine a cosplayer wanting to use. Stuff that now, other I, booths sell at conventions. Yeah, now I'm just curious. Have either of you ever been to like a a gun show like a, like it's like it's like so you I have two we have one out here called Crossroads of the West very very well regulated safe environment like the the way they have these weapons you know roped down with steel line and the the wep, you know the ammo is in an entirely different area kept yep. away from it like it didn't bother me one bit. Now, what any, you know, selling, obviously weren't they selling real weapons, but I don't see why that has to be at a Comic-Con. So I don't see why people were getting bent out of shape over it. I mean, really, people were getting mad because these guys were here selling non-lethal firearms or, or not real weapons, however you want yeah. to categorize it. And people were mad because they also, at their other locations or at other times, sell actual firearms. Right. Well, they were taking applications so there's a waiting period, of course, and so they were right. taking applications to purchase real firearms, so that, that was happening at the booth, and they were also had a special Comic-Con, um, a, a Comic-Con special on their gun safety courses, mm -hmm. and apparently there was a big outcry about that, which is bizarre to me from a group that supposedly really wants to regulate how safe guns are, and how much, you know, how, making sure that people that don't know how to use them don't get their hands on them. Um, and, and the thing that bothers me, if this is an accurate, and this actually went up on Friday, this, this little article that I just was talking about, and again, it'll be in the show notes, if Wizard World told them they couldn't, then told them that they could, they set up the booth, and then they just decided to come through two hours later and take them down because there was someone at the convention that was uncomfortable, mm -hmm. then it's not the convention, and, and while I agree with you, Andrew, they can make whatever rules they want. But to go back and forth three times on whether or not these guys are actually allowed to set up a booth there, especially given that they weren't selling live, uh, live ammunition, not they weren't selling live weapons. What in the world? I just this is bizarre to me. Well, and again, I mean, again, you know, like I said, they can make up whatever rules they want, but and this is something I, in general I demand, you know, have some level of inter internal consistency. Either allow them or don't allow go. them, yep. but don't go back and forth. That's just kind of a dick move. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think they just underestimated the, the screaming fits that some people were going to have. Because oh, if you just, certainly. I think it's just if you just say the word guns or, or I don't like guns or I do like guns, you, you, any kind of combination thereof, people are going to just lose all their bananas all Never the same mind time. There are Deadpools rocking around with massive replica guns all the time. All the time, yeah, and like we're everyone there is reading comic books where people are getting shot in their pages. Yeah. We're literally about to talk about that in this podcast about yeah, how so, much violence there is in comics. Well, and I was gonna say, so. you talk about you know you mentioned just talking about guns, people losing their minds. The Twitter responses have been just, I mean, stupid is not the right word because oh no, it, it doesn't. Stupid is several orders of magnitude less than what we're getting. 
This is like someone who cut their head open, threw their brain out, and then started to rip their clothes off and run around defecating, screaming, uh, guns, guns kill people or something like that. I mean, that's really the level of intelligence we were dealing with with yeah. some of the Twitter responses. Yeah, there, there's one one group, and, I, and I've seen their stuff before. It's another, it's a comic uh, website called the Outhousers, who in general I think are fairly um, stupid. <laughs> I mean, straight up, they're just very, very extreme views on anything and if you don't conform to what they believe then you're you know you're terrible and horrible and the scum a, of the earth yeah and a bigot and a racist and a sexist and etc yeah. to quote ben affleck it's gross it's racist right but i mean you know that we're talking about talking about not e not even selling guns but it's a company who who does sell guns legally in right? addition so, to other things right, which they're this, allowed to do th right but th that's what my, my point like they're this is something they are wholly allowed to do by law Right, protected by the Constitution, and they're comparing the outhouses start comparing them to human trafficking, forced genital mutilation, and then oddly enough, throwing poisonous snakes at people. Like I didn't realize that was like a you know on the same par, but like you got, you know, two things that are highly illegal and horribly detrimental to society, comparing to the legal sale of arms. Oh, yeah, just just run down the real quick things that they say so people understand. And so they, they talk about wanting to set up booths for promoting human trafficking, uh, performing genital mutilations at their booth, saying they were going to set up a booth for that. Don't forget to stop by our booth at Wizard World Chicago where we'll be tossing live poison snakes at people. And then this stupid hashtag, gun-free Comic-Con. I mean, it's just apparent that these... these oh, the other one they brought up is these, uh, these, men's rights. Oh yeah, someone else brought up. Uh, oh, how about a men's rights booth? Which, which uh, I, 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 we mentioned before recording. I feel like you and I have seen that before. I'm, I, maybe I just don't remember. I mean, look, there's plenty of really dumb booths at Comic Cons. Right. Right. Just everyone wants to get on it, and I get it. It's just a great way to get your name out in front of thousands and thousands of people. So, fantastic. But yeah, you're right. I mean, a a, a right to own a weapon is does not analogize to forcing human beings into sex work or chopping their genitals up or attacking people with snakes. This is just stop. Right. Stop. The fact that they're equating people who, again, who legally do that, who do this, you know, legally to people who are committing, you know, what, what heinous what, violence against other people, heinous <laughs> violence, you know, things, things that, you know, depending on the scale are considered crimes against humanity. <laughs> literally, literally, yeah, literally, literally outlawed internationally by the, the Geneva Convention. The worst I mean, things we could do, we can do as human beings. I mean, there, there just isn't a comparison, and the fact that they're making that comparison, they're at least attempting to, is somewhat disturbing. Yeah, and I well. find it a little unfortunate that that Wizard World ended up giving into what I think of as um, sort of a regressive terrorism. <laughs> it's just it's it's unfortunate and and again like like andrew said at the beginning they can do whatever they want but internal consistency is key and honestly why are we negotiating with these people I don't we know. do not negotiate with terrorists god damn it we shouldn't we all shouldn't. right well that being said now that we've got that out of the way and i'm sure we'll engender some sort of uh you know mouth vomiting from other people let's get right into the main topic today is going to be Woman in Refrigerators Tropes. Now, for those who don't know, this was a, co a term coined by comic book writer Gail Simone in the late 90s. I believe 1999 is when her website went live. 
And in my research of it, uh, I found a couple different definitions or what it actually means. So I'll borrow at least three of them really quickly, give you a quick overview, and then I'll toss it to Andrew to start what he thinks about it. So women in refrigerators, this one according to Comic Vine, a term created by Gail Simone, women in refrigerators, refers to comic book women who have been depowered, raped, murdered, and or had their lives ruined specifically in order to fuel the stories of men. Uh, the Wikipedia page has something uh, similar. Um, it states that the, uh, the Gail's website features comic book characters that have been injured, killed, depowered as a plot device within various superhero comic books and seeks to analyze why these plot devices are used disproportionately on female characters. And if you go directly to Gail's website, she actually doesn't offer any kind of real definition that I could find other than, uh, if I could pull it up, her proposal, super chicks get killed a lot. So that's the general idea of what this trope or what this uh, category is. So let's throw out, Andrew, we'll start with you. Just give me your first impression when you heard about, when you first heard about this, and then what have you found as you looked into it? Yeah, so I think in general with a lot of comic tropes, looking at it, initially I, I have to, A, I look at it with some skepticism, but I also feel like there, there is a kernel of truth involved. So having said that, you know, looking into this a little bit further, there's really like two versions of the women in refrigerators. There is, I think, what Gail Simone originally posed, which is is really just a question for discussion, right? This is the this is the start of a a conversation, is what she intended it as. Obviously, Gail has her her stance, but I think she was look she wanted it as kind of the a part of a bigger conversation. This is what I think. What do you guys think? And then you also have kind of where follow-on people have taken it as this is fact. This is happening. This is the way things are. And I think Gail's intention is is a is a really good starting place. I think trying to take this as this argument as fact that this is, you know, all that this is an all the time uh, you know, to borrow from science, this 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 is a theory. This is a proven law of comic books. Mm-hmm. You know, that really just doesn't hold up very well. All right, Tracy, go ahead. So, absolutely, Andrew is is correct that it, this from Gail. It was more of a conversation piece, and she put on it's on her website. She said, "My main point is." If you demolish most of the characters that girls like, then girls won't want to read comics. That's it. Or girls won't read comics. That's it. So her point is that a lot of these women, and there's quite a heavy-duty list of women in, in at various um, power levels and in various relationships with other characters that really get the shaft as far as violence towards them goes. I have to say that my first, my initial response when I read this from Gail Simone was, "Why are the characters that girls like only allowed to be women?" Mm. So I'm, I'm, I was curious about, and again, that's just a conversational question. Like, where are you, you going forward in this? Um, and then as I, I delved into it, I noticed that from the response from feminists was to run down a whole list of what they gave as facts, and I saw. Especially um, Anita Sarkeesian did a video on this. It's it's her uh, Women in Tropes number two, I think, on her video. 
Uh, I have it right here. Yes, there's Women Refrigerators, Tropes versus Women, number two. There you go. Yep. yep. This is from 2012, or 2011, excuse me. So this is before she kind of uh, hit it big in scare quotes going after (laughs) video games. I think this list, I think (laughs) that, I believe it was this YouTube, (laughs) I believe it was this YouTube series that kind of made her uh, something of a a celebrity as far as feminism goes and that kind of thing. Yeah, within her clique, yes. Um, I don't, I don't commentary... think the wider world knew who she was until Gamer No, Game. no, definitely not. Her and her eyebrows. Um, her... <laughs> Hoop earrings. I mean, she's she's not my favorite person. I'm not. I'm I'm gonna straight up say, but her and her commentary is very sensationalized. But her underlying facts aren't wrong. So, like Andrew was saying, there is a kernel of truth. So I think that she may have been comparing examples that aren't equal. However, the point that I really pulled out of her video and started as I continued to read up on this that I really pulled out and that I'd like to discuss with you guys is that the men tend to seem to die in a blaze of glory. They're headed to Valhalla and the women tend to die off screen quietly and are found by a guy. Um, and And I also think that this is side characters, but you see this mostly with the women. So I want to I want to double back on one question to ask you, Tracy. And and Gail says this uh, in in her about page, I think it is, or the she says something to the effect of having a uterus myself. I found that I most enjoyed reading about girl heroes or super chicks, and it has been nagging me for a while that in mainstream comics, being a girl superhero meant inevitably being killed, maimed, or depowered. It seemed so. Tracy, you kind of hit upon it. Like, why would you assume girls like only girl superheroes? But let me ask you this question, and it may not be fair directing it towards you, but let's pretend for. And she also says, I should preface this one more time. She mentions again early on. I tend to like. Oh, this is Gail again. I tend to like bright, shiny heroes the best. When comic books went grim and gritty a while back, that was a period where comics had lost their appeal for me. So part of me feels like in that one sentence she's kind of betrayed her early bias yeah Uh, but my question to to you is then all things being uh, equal with the exception of changing female characters getting diced as it were do you think female readers would 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 increase or stay the same or they would like it more say meaning that if the violence level in comic books stayed the same but the female characters just didn't weren't on the receiving end of it how do you think girls would respond to that then see and and that's a funny thing because it literally the next thing i have in my notes is if women got equal brutal heroic deaths on screen as frequently as males did would the average female or feminist finally be happy i think it depends on who you are so Mm. for me as a girl i always identified with whoever the strong hero was in the story it didn't matter if they were male or female now outside of the realm of comic books robin mckinley would would create these insanely heroic female warriors i mean they were strong they didn't make stupid mistakes they weren't they had flaws but they were human flaws they weren't female flaws and i really identified very powerfully with her heroes the blue sword the hero in the crown beauty i mean the list goes uh, doe skin whatever book you want to read from her that's what she created but then at the same time i would read i don't know howard Pyle's merry adventures of robin hood and i never identified with maid mary and she was annoying and boring I identified with Robin Hood himself. He was the hero of the story. So for me as a reader, I identify with the the powerful, shining hero. I don't identify necessarily with the gender of the character. Andrew, do you so have anything to me, add to that? Well, yeah. I, I would say currently I, I think the the 
changing readership in comics does support support that to some extent, right? There is a much, not again, I mean, it is still a male, tends to be a more male-dominated audience, but it, there has been significant growth in females and specifically in, in younger females. And it's not that the female characters are are getting beat up less than the males, but they tend to be more of that heroic instead of uh, yeah, uh, Gail at, at one point describes it as I think this is in the um, the Comics Alliance interview where females stop being heroes and we're just basically fighting for survival, mm-hmm. right? Where the, where the the characters you know even in their own books it wasn't about being a hero and doing heroic things it was about just trying to not be be murdered basically and I think that now that we've there's been a a, a somewhat conscious shift towards the female characters being more heroic i think you have seen an increase in in the uh female readership even at the current level of violence i don't think the violence in and of itself is the problem so you don't think this is an anti-violence or anti-violence against women statement either of you i think i think there's a little bit to the anti-violence against women but i think again especially just coming from what i've read from gail it's fine if you know women can get their ass kicked too. I think I think it's the it's the motive and the reason behind it. Mm-hmm. So what do you think? Uh, let's let's go back to Andrew then. So what do you think the harm is, if if any, uh, if the motive and reason is uh, these female characters are getting wiped out, be they superheroes or not, and that's another distinction I think should be made, is in the original Women in Refrigerators, uh, she clearly says super chicks. However, as, as Tracy points out, uh, when people take it as fact that this is true, they added a bunch of ancillary non-hero, non-combatant characters. So let's, for now, just stick with the superheroes and ignore the non-combatants. We can come back to them later if you want. Right. But I was, I was just curious what your... Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, it's, it's funny you mentioned because the, the, the two that people tend to point to most are Gwen Stacy and... Um, Alex DeWitt. Alex DeWitt, Green Lantern's girlfriend. And yeah, like you said, those are both... Not heroes, non-combatants. Mm-hmm. Right, they're non-combatants. So I don't even think for now we, we should we shouldn't even talk about. It. But my my question is, do you think there's a harm there? Do you do you, do you think when I first heard this, and actually the first person that brought it to my mind was uh, or to into my field was uh, I saw the Nita Sarkeesian video. My first reaction was, uh, so what's the actual issue? What's what's the problem? Where where is there a problem? Can we identify an actual problem? Is there harm? So I'll, I'll send that to Andrew first. Do you think that's the case? I think there has been harm done in the past. I think it is much less of an issue currently. I mean, there there are certain characters. Uh, the, the one that pops to my head first is is Miss Marvel, uh, Carol Danvers, where just really fucked up shit has happened to her, mm-hmm. especially for like an American comp like this is honest to God, this is the kind of stuff I would, I would expect to see in some of your European stuff like Druna. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I, right. <laughs> I know you might, you might appreciate, but like for the average comic book reader, this is really like kind of messed up stuff. That's, that's, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, for a long time, basically the character, the character was actually, I mean, it's, it's hard to talk about a character suffering harm because obviously a character, it's not they're not real so harm is a is is a loose term well, 
No, no. Uh, let me let me clarify. I'm sorry. I'm not saying harm to the character because this is not actual violence. Pendulette always likes to point well, out she, there right. is no, no, artistic no. depiction of violence. Right. Yes. This is not violence. This is artistic depiction against violence. But I'm saying harm to the readers. Uh, you you. I don't. I, I think the listeners would know. You're fairly read up on the 1950s uh, trials that comic books went through in front of the Senate. Right. That this was corrupting a generation. Uh, is this basically the same argument redressed? Can we find harm to female readers because these characters are getting throttled at such a high click? Or, or the think... claim is that they're getting throttled at a high click. I don't know if that's been established yet. Right, and, and, and that, that's a fair point to make. In that, that, and that's actually something you and I are currently working on. Uh, mm -hmm. It was a much more daunting task than, you, than certainly you realized, and even I, I had a better <laughs> idea than you did, but I think we were both like, oh, crap. <laughs> Yeah, we started looking at the actual like numbers we need to figure out here, but mm -hmm. um, harm to the reader? I don't think so. Honestly, I don't think there's harm to the reader. I think the harm, honestly, the harm I think is the to the industry, mm -hmm. and in that in that you have readers who become disenfranchised. They feel that the characters that they most connect with and they who are representative of them. So I understand Tracy's Tracy's argument that. You know, women only like only or Tracy's argument that women don't just only like women, right? Like that's not just that women aren't just looking for women characters to to be interested in, and that's absolutely true. But I think you know it's helpful. You know, you you tend to relate to people who look like you, who act like you know. So when you start removing those characters or really terrible things keep keep happening to those characters, you say, well, kind of what's the point? Mm -hmm. So I, I realized that I think the industry done had done itself far more harm than, than to the reader. I don't think the reader in and of themselves is really having any harm done to them other than losing interest in something that, once, that, that they once enjoyed. Go ahead, Tracy. I also have to point out that something that doesn't seem to come up so much in the sort of feminist argument, but did come up in some of the creator responses to Gail Simone. So if you go to Gail Simone's website, there's a whole section in which people have emailed or had conversations with her, and she records the response from writers and artists in the industry to her initial question. And what one of them, I believe it was Jerry Conway, which correct me if I'm wrong, but did not he correct or did not he create Punisher? Yes, Jerry Conway did correct. Jerry, Jerry Conway, yeah. Yes. So, I mean, one of the arguably more violent characters in the Marvel Universe. Especially Punisher says, Max. Holy right, shit. Right, right. So he points out that you should not underestimate the power of lazy writing. And for mm -hmm. a lazy writer, the easiest way to manipulate a female character or to, I mean, for a man, one of the worst things that you can do is beat him up and leave him... Um, emasculated basically beaten emasculated but for a woman that is rape i mean mm -hmm. it's, it's just clear that that's the answer so for a lazy writer you're going to go straight for the jugular you're going to go straight for the very worst if you want to develop a character you're going to go for the worst which for a woman is rape so you're mm -hmm. going to see female characters in poor writing raped and so, i thought now that's an interesting point and and this, this feeds directly into what andrew just said that it's doing harm to the industry so, so here's what's interesting about this, and I had this conversation with a friend of mine earlier, is um, a friend of mine had brought up uh, that it's not necessarily a sexism problem, but a lazy writing problem. And as someone who does not read mainstream comics much at all, I kind of had to analyze this 
from a very different direction. And I think we'll get into it later. Fans of Marvel and DC might get stuck in the details and not be able to pull back and see the broader arguments or semi arguments. I don't even think we've got something you can call an argument. But um, if you're telling me that comic book writers are lazier or unimaginative in certain story aspects, um, I mean, really stop the presses. This is not this is not something that uh, needs to be sung from the highest mountaintops because I think most of us knew this already. Most of us already knew that these are not the. This is not. This is not the pinnacle of the American. No, novel. this is not surprising. It's like this is like oh okay. Well, no, oh, but I, I think I think you need to look at that in within its within kind of within the in, industry in, in terms of right. Nobody's comparing. Nobody's comparing. You know, kind of a. a science fiction novel of this point you know or, um nobody compares pulp novels to shakespeare but there's good pulp novels and there's bad pulp novels yeah. right there's good comics and there's bad comics and you can have the intermediate well there's quality yes but we're talking about at least i'm trying to get at um basic story structures and how they're told at least with superheroes the way i understand it is yeah you're gonna get within genres any genre certain aspects that appear over and over and over again. And one of them that you get in comic books is the revenge plot, right? And and Tracy hits on it perfectly, is, okay, if you have a character that you want to motivate to seek revenge for a wrong, usually the way you do that is you kill his family and or her family. And we can go down a litany of characters that have happened to. And as she said, the worst thing you do to a male character is... is beat him up and take everything away from him. And that all of a sudden becomes the character's motivation. And if it's bad enough, the reader goes along with, oh, yeah, that was pretty bad. I'd, I'd become a superhero, too. If it's less than that, and I guess we'll, I'll, we'll start with Tracy on this one. If, if it's less than that, then what's the point? How, can, how do you then motivate a character? Well, the, the point is agency. Each character has, in, in human life, we all do not have any real power over what happens to us. I'm talking about the drunk driver that comes across an intersection and hits our car. I'm talking about the, you know, the mugging that happens on the street. I'm talking about the things that happen to us that we really have no control over. What we do have is the agency to respond correctly. And this goes back to more what Gail said and not so much what the uh, follow-up arguments have said. And that is that for these side characters, and in this particular case, these women, these things are happening to them, and then they get no say in what the response is. It's all to motivate another character, usually a male character. So if you're a good writer, you've got a, a, sort of this webbing of responses. So the, the person that it was enacted on responds unless they're dead. And then you have the main character that interacts with that. And then you have, you know, the bad guy, whoever perpetrated the wrong. And so you've got all of the this agency, these individual people responding to what happened. But a lazy writer or a poor writer, or in some cases, someone who's just sort of following a trend of writing, all they do is have a single person's response to it. So that would be my response, that you need to make sure that all of your characters, and this just goes back to good writing, make sure that all of your characters have some kind of response. Not because yeah. I think that that's a feminist thing. I just think that's a good writing thing. Okay, so let's go to... Um, she talked about super chicks. But now, these characters, uh, at least in the Comic Vines 
definition talked about female characters that get taken down to add to a male character's role. Usually, at least it appears to me that the male characters are the primary protagonists of these particular stories, that the female characters that get killed um, are not the main source, or, or even not the main characters, not the main protagonists. So in violent books or, or stories that are violent and have characters get taken out, wouldn't one expect all characters of all types, including women, to get taken down uh, to advance the protagonist story, be it whatever gender it is? And what's the big deal if it is a woman? Because I'm certain we could find male characters that get killed at a fairly high clip in male protagonist stories for the same very same reason. Uh, Andrew, go ahead. Well, I think one of the things on that one you talk about, you know, male male people males who get taken up in male stories. Mm -hmm. Certainly, you're not wrong that that exists. I mean, the best example, Uncle Ben in Spider Man, right? Uncle Ben mm -hmm. dies, so Spider Man becomes Spider Man. Mm -hmm. But I think part of the issue is one, it's always love. It's almost always love interests. Not always, but often it's a it's a love interest. So that I think that 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 takes on a different a different role. You're not a you're not a person. They're not characters in and of themselves. The characters are wholly dependent on the the protagonist of the story. Right. Well, I, th I think that's 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 the issue, right? You can have an ancillary character whose existence is not dependent upon upon the protagonist. Right. So, can you explain why you think that's an issue? I, I mean. Because if I let me just let me like come back for one second, it's like yeah, you have characters that are solely dependent on a the protagonist and b the storyline, and in order to move a storyline forward, if you want a violent storyline, you're going to have to kill a few characters. So you will create characters for the sole purpose of killing them because that's what your story entails. So my issue, my question then is, why is that a problem? If it is a problem, I mean, and in general. Trace your in general, in general, I kind of take take issue with with that. And again, I, I don't know if it's lazy story storytelling, but if I if I'm sitting here, so like when we when we saw Suicide Squad, mm -hmm. right? Slipknot was there to die. Yep. Right. You and I both said, "Why the fuck was the character there in the first place?" Mm -hmm. Right. It's just, it's the same thing, except except in this argument, it's it's primarily female love interests. Mm -hmm. Right. You can have characters, characters can 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 exist, kind of to die. But if if literally all they all, all they're there in the story to like all, if their only contribution to the story is dying, why are they there? Well, I mean, isn't that it? I mean, we can like it or not, but you can can't a character's purpose be there to be killed? Let's take, I mean, Red Viper from Game of Thrones. I think when we first chatted about taking on this topic. His, it felt like his purpose in that storyline was to get his head crushed in Game of Thrones so Tyrion can go east. That was the he, We had to get him to go east to expand his story, so that's why Red Viper had to lose that fight. So, so if, they, if they are designed for that purpose, I don't see that as a problem. Um, Andrew, I mean, I mean or Tracy, I, do you want to pick that up? or I feel that, I feel, again, with the Red Viper, the character added more than just dying. That's what I was going to say. He okay. had his own additional purpose for living i mean right I mean, you could almost say that his sister was there just to die right he was there to avenge his sister he had a reason for doing what he was doing yes he was in the plot to die 
Mm-hmm. But there was more to him than just, I'm here and squish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, and, and very often, well said. Oftentimes, that ends up being, especially with, like, less with the superhero, the female superheroes, and more with the ancillary characters. So Alex DeWitt was introduced and then killed four issues later. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, I don't think anyone cared about the character other than, hey, we're killing Greenland. You know, people mm-hmm. care about the, people care about her now more because of the women in refrigerators idea than they ever would have cared about her as an actual character. But her sole purpose was to was to be introduced and then die. Right? She she brought nothing else to the story, and I think that's mm-hmm. that's that's where I, where I have an issue. I don't. I have no problem with killing off characters. I mean, I may be sad because I like characters. You know, if they kill off someone I like, but I have no problem killing someone off if they've if they've done more than just stand there waiting to die. Good, and Tracy. You want to add to that? Because I think what we're going to do next now is actually really next. We're going to start killing people off. Yeah, we should. I mean, look, we're going to start well, killing I mean, people I, off I, and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I want, Tracy, I want you just to add to any or, or come back on any of that because I think the next thing I want to jump into is even if this women refrigerators thing actually exists because I actually have I've spotted two very big problems with it. But go ahead if you want well, to add one anything. Of the, one of the things that I do want to add is just that Jerry Conway also mentioned that there has been a significant upst- uptick in the level of violence in comic books and he equates it or he attributes it, I'm sorry, to the increase in violence in other forms of entertainment as well, in, in video games and comic books. I am not saying that violence in entertainment begets violence in real life. I am saying that one form of entertainment becomes more violent and it sort of trickles into other forms. Mm-hmm. Um, society as a whole is very desensitized to artistic depictions of violence in entertainment and not, in, a, in my opinion, not in a little part because... Uh, MPA ratings move more based on sexual content and literally the number of some specific expletives than the amount of violence in a movie. So sure. um, I, I think that overall, the what type of violence happens has increased. And I think that it really would behoove a lot of comic artists to move beyond the death of a family member, rape of a female in order to motivate their characters. There are other things that can push you over the edge. Well, so the- okay. One last well, one. can you can you just name like two before before you do that? I just want I, I, she brought it up. There are more things. Name, give me a couple examples. Of what can, oh, what you of just, other you types. Just, you, of, oh, uh, yeah, other just motivators? give me a couple examples. Yeah, I mean, it can be big things in that it could be something as small as a character looks around and decides they want a better life. For it could be a freaking spider bite. It could be. Um, a, a car accident that where nobody dies that was you know that was enacted on them they could perpetrate some type of violence they could you know something there could be some kind of a wreck where they suddenly realize that they themselves are a terrible person and need to shape up i mean there are there are lots of things that happen in an average human's life that make them change and i think that it would be really nice to explore some of those things oh yeah i was gonna say i mean there are more things that would be described as a quote unquote come to Jesus moment than just rape and death. Yes. Can, right, right. There are more, but can you think of any that are more dramatic or no, more but, shocking? But or, at the same right. time, why do we have to go to the extreme? Because that doesn't that, happen I mean, in real right. life. No, it doesn't. But if that's the kind of book you want to write, well, sure. So right. again, yeah, I, I think I think that there's a little bit of an assumption here that you have to go to the extreme every time. Right. If mm-hmm. if 
and that's I think that's part of the argument is that at least the theory is the the thought is that writers are are constantly going to the extreme with these with these characters mm-hmm. right there's no you can motivate the other the characters with without going to the absolute utmost i mean yeah sure that is sometimes you certainly can yes that, that is some, that you is sometimes that is sometimes required right i mean mm-hmm. great murdered yeah the whole night like that is sometimes required but not all the time and i think that's the point that's trying to be that people are trying to make is that mm-hmm. that we tend to be swinging very far you know the pendulum's going really far for something that doesn't need nearly that much momentum so that being said one of my two main problems with this one before i because i i don't know enough about comic books and like you said, we're working on this project. We're going to actually quantify what she says, uh, Gail says, or the other people who have taken this women refrigerators and run with it. She makes two premises uh, or two specific claims. Um, one, she says the percentage uh, percentages are off. If there are 50 major female superheroes and 40 of them get killed, maimed, or depowered, that's more significant numerically than if 40 male characters get killed since there are many times more that total. And B... I can't quite shake the feeling that male characters tend to die differently than female ones, kind of echoing what Tracy said early on. Now, I haven't any way of knowing whether the second premise is true or not. That's We're just guessing at this point. I, I We don't know if that's the case or not. These female characters are not dying heroically, are dying off-panel, versus the number of male characters that are or aren't. I just, there is no way of, of quantifying that at all that at least that i could find it was just kind of an assumption with a few examples the other one was major the percentage of major female superheroes killed vice their number in other words that yeah even if the percentages are the same let's say 50 percent of major female superheroes are killed and 50 percent of male superheroes are killed um by volume the female numbers would still be higher because there's so few of them that's another thing we like. We can't substantiate. We just we just don't know. In her list, she doesn't offer. And she offers about 111 characters that have been killed, maimed, raped, burned up, or depowered, but we don't have um, the number of female characters total. Does that? Let's start with Tracy. Does that kind of at least get you to start questioning this a little bit? That you know, could this premise? necessarily not be the case is it just might just be an assumption a gut instinct without having any hard numbers to check my gut instinct is that this is an actual issue the the idea that characters without agency are created and killed off just in order or or you know maimed raped whatever Um, violence is done to them just in order to progress the storyline without adding anything else yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's the case. I mean, just over the course of almost 30 years of taking in entertainment. Yeah, that's that. It, it's, it really does happen. But again, for me, the big thing, the point that Anita pointed out, and I, I have to say that I, I agree with, is that I want these characters, if they really have any true agency in the story of it, for, for the superheroines. I want them their death on screen. Like uh, one of the ones that they pointed out was um, Mr. Miracle's wife, uh, Big Berta, Big, Big Barda. something, mm-hmm. Big Barda. Um, how she didn't 
she didn't go out in a blaze of glory. This is not Boromir dying with three arrows in his chest protecting the hobbits. This is, she just is on the kitchen floor and her husband comes home and finds her. You know, mm-hmm. really, I want the bright, shining hero. It, I don't care if it's female, I don't care if it's male, but if she's going to be the hero of her own story, let her die in, especially if she's against bad guys, let her at least, you know, give her the well, respect to show it happened. I think, so I took notes on Big Barda just so, since you brought it up. So Big Barda character created in 1971 she's killed in 2008 in a series called death of the new gods um she's not the main character of that story and like uh, from my understanding of it, she's not and like a ton of new gods are wiped out many of them male many of them female many of them off panel some are just given mention some are never shown and she comes back it's in the wiki list that we've, we've referenced we'll yeah she does come back yes she comes back like two issues later so I don't Still, know. Though, I mean, I, if you say so, but that's okay. Andrew, do you have anything? So I I would agree. I would agree with dude. I would agree with you on the first part. Uh, I think the statistics probably, probably aren't going to back this up very, very dramatically. There might be a slight imbalance, but it's, it's not, I don't think it's anywhere near what we think it is. Especially, mm-hmm. especially in the, you know, almost 20 years since since Gail made this first first started this things mm-hmm. have changed a lot and even at the time that I, is a good point even at the yeah. time I don't know and that's actually something we're looking at is mm-hmm. how 1999 compares to you know 2016 I I don't think the the numbers are quite as as dramatic as as they're made out to be I mean, that that's just my gut feel it, actually one of her responses uh Fabian uh, Nasia I think I can never get that guy's last name right. It's one of the guys who uh, co-created Deadpool. Um, he basically says, "Hey, where's 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 your where's your where's your statistics? Where's your numbers? Like you come right. back to, come back to me with numbers and we can talk." Right, and that's my second problem with this is that she produced. So the first one is uh, where does she say it? I'm, I'm I'm trying to stick with what Gail says. I don't want to go into the weeds of what some of the the feminists are saying because I don't. It's a different argument altogether. They're two completely different arguments. One assumes the conclusion that women in refrigerators exists, and that runs the risk of, of doing the fallacy, begging the question, because we haven't established whether it's real or not. So it's for those the, who don't uh, know... It's the second paragraph under the response from creators. Okay, okay. Um, it talks about you know, 50 ma- major female superheroes and 40 right, 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 golden... Right, but she says somewhere, and I don't remember where, I think it might have been in the Comics Alliance interview, she was basically asking the question, why is it okay to kill female superheroes at such a high click? Um, and my basic point is, you know, uh, no, I hope a, it... It's actually that same section. Uh, same section, okay. Yeah, to quote, it got me wondering, honestly, why was it okay, or even encouraged somewhat, to kill women more than men statistically? Right, so there's... Okay, yes, I see it now. So the, the problem is, we haven't established that, and... That, that runs the risk of uh, begging the question fallacy. And for those who don't know it, it's a, a fallacy form of arguing which one assumes that the one claims, oh, excuse me, let me start again. A fallacy from form of arguing in which one assumes that one claims to be proven. An argument is a form of reasoning. Oh, well, we already know an argument. But basically, it's an assumed conclusion. She's assumed that that's the case. We don't know that. And the other problem I have with it is the Texas sharpshooter fallacy, which we've brought up before, is she writes up a list of 111 female characters that have been injured in all sorts of ways. 
with no comparison to the number of female characters that are ever created and are still alive versus male characters that have been created, killed, or have never been killed. So I don't know if we have a one-to-one comparison to really draw a conclusion. Right, and, that, and that's what I'm saying. I, I think when we do get the one-to-one comparison, I think the numbers won't quite come out as, as, as sharply as a lot of people think they will. Addressing the second part when you're talking about them dying you know, less heroically or more horrifically, mm-hmm. I think there is some weight to that. Yeah, we'll have to... I mean, there might... I could be... I don't know, but I mean, it could very well be the case. And that's just... Again, that's my gut feeling having read a lot of comics now. Mm-hmm. That, that you know, watching or having read a lot of these, you tend to see male characters doing the blaze of glory or dying for the cause, and the women characters are heroes. Heroes, I think heroes. Okay. I mean, I mean, no, I mean, if we're talking to just characters, then yeah, I mean, you've got the ancillary characters who don't really die for a whole lot of anything. Period. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, you tend to get male heroes dying for the cause and and going out gloriously. And you do tend to get more of the female character or female heroes, you know, having less glorious ends, shall we say. And then again, I mean, that that is my opinion, not necessarily backed up by numbers. And we'll certainly that's something we're looking into. Mm-hmm. It's also I, I mentioned this topic to Kurt about just talking about what we were going to be talking about today. And his initial assumption, his gut reaction was that's because comic books don't like to show violence against women. The type of person that reads a comic book really doesn't want to see violence against women. Do you guys think that that's an accurate response? No. I don't I don't know because there might be some grain of truth to this because when I, I asked earlier when Tracy was like, if all things remained equal, the level of violence stayed the same, but let's say we decreased the level of violence against women. And if readership, female readership increased, then this is to say, if it, if it holds true, that violence against men is not seen as a big deal. Yet, we are fixated on this violence against women thing. Now, that might not be the case. Um, it might not be. Um, I, don't, I don't really know. I mean, me personally, uh, if you're asking me directly, I just like comic books where everyone gets fucked up. I don't really care what they are. Or I mean, you, you're right. You don't have to go to the extreme, but I fucking love it when they do. Well, and those are the kind of books I read. I mean, let's go now, the extreme might be really be, cool. Right. Now, Gail... Um, I think I mentioned earlier said she didn't she didn't care for that she she didn't like that so you know what that dog you do you that's that's you you don't like that well I'm okay with that too so, so I don't I don't know that Gail doesn't like the extremes I think she's talking about like the 90s when everybody everything got extreme like the pouches and all the gun like I think that's what she's talking about when she's talking about comics she doesn't like well, I'll say this much. When I, I mean, we, we at least started digging through the numbers, and I got through DC characters that have died and stayed dead, and just glancing over it, just looking at the numbers without having charted everything, the vast majority of the characters that died were post-1985. Yes. And, like, and, and, that... then, and, then, and then there's a huge spike post-2000. like 2000. So yeah, and I would agree it, with both of those. It, it it appears just looking over the numbers when I when I kind of sorted them out, um, the, the the beatings continued until morale improved through the eighties. That's really what it looked like. Is and I'm almost certain that Marvel might be the same thing. But again, I only got a chance to dig into I mean, DC. So I, I would suspect, and part of that is you know the comic industry has been around for pushing eighty years now. Yeah, and 
trying to keep readership involved, especially, you know, guys since since the 60s. You know, comics have had a real hard time kind of pulling in new readership. And, and they've, they're, they've acknowledged it as much in the mm. last few years. But since they've had such a, a hard time, you know, when you when you get the old curmudgeons, the guys have been reading comics for 20 years or, or God only knows how long, you know, 20, mm-hmm. 30, 40 years, there hits a point where they're like, okay, we've done this before. We've done this six times before. And I think yeah. that's I think that's where we're seeing like that spike in like killing off characters and stuff. Yeah, but... and, and then coming back, that was the other thing, is the list that I looked at, at least that I worked on, was just characters that stay dead. And there's a separate list of characters coming back. I mean, good God, you know, it was such a big deal when Superman died, but then I found this character called Gog, G-O-G, I think it is. Yep. And do- doesn't he kill Superman seven times in one issue? Like, he kills him, and then goes back in time 24 hours because he didn't wasn't satisfied with the way he killed Superman, and then does it again, and then again, and then again, and right. then again. So, yeah, it absolutely got ridiculous. And that is, it's funny because I don't like to read superhero characters because I wish characters stayed dead. Well, and, and that was I... that that's exactly a point that I was going to bring up sort of towards the end is that I would actually prefer a universe in which people may stay dead, but there, where death has equal consequences across the board, that there's mm-hmm. some weight behind what's happening. Because I think even for these ancillary characters, they're trying to create some kind of a weighted death, you know, a weighted pressure so that you you identify with the character that's now blossoming because his girlfriend was just put in a refrigerator mm-hmm. and it just doesn't have any any consequence at all oh no you i mean she, uh, anita sarkeesian brings up gwen stacy and i looked into her and there was some outrage in the 70s when she died right and you know my my response is uh, good there should be um because i want characters to die and i want fans to be upset i'm i'm always right. for upsetting fans i'm always for that um but then i looked this up so she dies, comes back as a clone in the 70s. There's a bunch of her. And now in the, I guess in the Ultimate Universe, there's a Spider-Gwen, a Gwenpool, and a Gwen Carnage. Am I, am I, am I reading this correctly? Did I, I mean, did I, I mean, the, correctly? Those, those last three were, are probably within the last year, though. Okay. But those are, all three of those are pretty, pretty recent um, additions. Yeah, I, the, and, and the clones in the 70s don't. Spider-Man and clones is just don't 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 dig into that one, right? You you will hate yourself for looking into that one. I mean, you're not yeah. wrong, that was a thing, but like, don't look into Spider-Man and clones. It just bad and, things happen. And then she brings up Steph Brown, who is a Batgirl or a Batwoman. Batgirl, Batgirl, uh, dies in the '90s. We find out that death was faked, apparently. And then she gets her own book, and it's canceled after a few issues. And now she's back as of 2013 as the spoiler. So, I mean, that that's kind of my issue is we, we talk about them as if they're these permanent things. But Tracy brings up superheroes dying in comic books just ain't that big a deal. Because they well, die and they and, come back, big deal. And that, and that's certainly that's a, that's a, that's an entirely separate issue where the, the fact that death really has no no permanence or consequence anymore. Right, and and that feels to me as if, and, and, and come back at me if you can with this one, is if we're so worried about female characters being at least killed, because that's the one numbers I have. I don't have numbers on being maimed right. or depowered, uh, but killed. It's like, yeah, yeah, Big Barda died. She came back in two issues. Calm down. Yeah, and, and yes, maybe Steph Brown dies, 
but it appeared that no one was buying her book because the title was canceled. So that happens too. What I mean, sometimes the market just fades out the character. I don't, I don't see what. Again, I'm I'm still of the opinion that I, I don't have any conclusive way to draw a conclusion. But my initial response is, so what's the problem here? Tracy, you want to start with that one? Well, and this just goes back to basically my two arguments. The first one is that um, it doesn't have to be a death and it doesn't have to be a rape in order for the character to be motivated or even to disappear. And the second thing is that this is, I don't know how to dis- how, to, how to say this a little bit stronger than I originally did, but it's just really that the men are dying in a blaze of glory and so frequently the women just aren't. They're just not given the same treatment. So I'd like to see equal treatment and I would like to see consequences for what's going on. Okay, I think that's a good final thought. Andrew, do you want to... Uh, any final thoughts? And on I'm this? actually just kind of curious. And I, I literally just had this thought. You're talking about the you know, the market taking over, and again, and again, I think, you know, the market needs to do what the market's going to do. You know, mm-hmm. characters will come and go as as they are liked or not liked. I wonder though if there's some there's some element of self fulfilling prophecy in that, in terms of if you keep killing off these characters, like oh I'm going to kill them off and bring them back, kill them off, bring them back. At some point, people go, "Oh, well, you know, what's the point? Why am I, why am I investing my money and my time? Especially because I mean, comics are four bucks a fucking piece now. Why right. am I investing my time and money into something they're just going to kill the character off and then bring her back in a dumb way? You know? Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean that that's been one of the reasons why I don't read them. But that, but I don't think it has to do with at least female characters. I mean, what did did you, someone told me this that Batman had a a time machine attached to his heart so that when he died. He would go somewhere else in time and then get reassembled. Was that a thing? Do you remember that? I so I, I know what you, I I know conceptually what you're referring to, but I don't actually know if I don't know like the mechanism. I didn't actually read. Yeah, like the it gets, Batman coming it back in time. He ended up he ended up dying and going back in time and coming back. I don't. I didn't bother reading that that arc because so. <laughs> it does get goofy. <laughs> That's the thing. We are talking about a really goofy art form here. Well, it was it was, all, it was also after Final Crisis, and I just kind of spent some time staring at the books, going, oh, "I I don't understand." Yo, Superboy, Superboy Prime destroyed some people. You're thinking Infinite Crisis, and yes. Oh God, whatever. I'm mean, Jesus Christ. Right. Hang on, hang on. Final Crisis was written by Grant Morrison. Try wrapping your brain around that. All right, so. So yeah, so uh, final thoughts, final thoughts. I guess for me, and I will, will tell you guys right now. So I, I found this really interesting, and I had the same reaction that one of the respondents had, is come back with some serious data, and then we'll talk. So so that's what we're working on, is I found a wiki page, and again, it's an incomplete page, but it actually seems a little more exhaustive than Gail's list, of characters that died, uh, when they died, what issue they were killed, and the manner in which they were killed. And then this is for Marvel, NDC, and a few others. But right now, I'm just going to focus on the on the two kind of uh, battleships of comic book writer uh, comic books right now. And then we've got another list of characters that died and come back, came back. So the plan is to actually assess numbers behind some of the claims here, because, like Andrew points out earlier, Gail just kind of throws the lore out into the water. And just leaves it be, and it kind of mutated, and people took it to mean many, many different things without really looking at any kind of numbers. So claims like Tracy was bringing up, uh, male characters dying in a blaze of glory versus dying off panel, 
or with female characters done. I'd like to put that to the test. I'd like to find yeah, out if that's the I case. I would love to. to and then that. it's who, what are what are the body counts? Um, how many major female characters die? How many minor female characters died? Vice the total number that actually exists, or as far as the number of characters killed permanently, what percentage are female? What percentage are male? In a preliminary look, and again, my numbers aren't perfect because there were some Excel blips. But it looks like 60% of the characters that are killed and stay dead are male in some fashion, and it's about 20 the other way. And then there's weird shit in the middle, like I've, like you know, I have I have it broken down by like male, female, non-human males, non-human females, and then one planet. I found one. <laughs> I found one planet. Um, I thought that was kind of funny. But so Not that caffeine, was the thing. I'm assuming. No, who who was this? What was this guy's name? Oh, I can God. pull it up real. Uh, hold on. Du, 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 du. Zip. Gender. I have it broken up by gender, but I have gender planet. Um, ranks the sentient planet. Oh, okay. Yeah. Died um... in. Died in two thousand seven. Yeah, it was probably Sinestro Core. I thought. Yeah, I think he is part of the Sinestro Core. I have him listed as a villain. Yeah. So <laughs> we will we will find this out. I think this would be a good resource because the the women in uh, refrigerators list has been cited by a lot of people. Um, but I think uh, my my hope here is that we can like put some serious numbers behind it and and get some serious conclusions because one uh, I'm not I'm not 100 percent convinced this is an issue and two uh, so what I love fucking killing characters and making fans mad the more the merrier. All right, so Andrew, what are you into? Uh, so I discovered a new sitcom called uh, Superstore mm. and was binge watching that uh, all weekend. Basically, it's it uh, takes place in like a, a standard American big box store, so like a Target or a Walmart. Oh, I've heard of this. Is that the one with the cloud shaped banners in the background and the everybody's yeah. like really ditzy? Not ditzy. Everyone's not really ditzy, but yeah, it's the one with the cloud shape. The, the store is yes. called Cloud Nine. Yes, yes, and, yes. I've actually seen a bunch of those episodes. It's a freaking hilarious show. Well, especially you and I have both worked in, in big box stores. I worked at Home Depot for a summer, and you worked in uh, several, to be sure. And so, I mean, there's a lot of, if you've worked in a big box store, you understand. You've seen these people. It's it, it's a lot funnier. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, the, the cast is decent. Um, the, the, the woman from Ugly Betty, Amanda, or America... Um, Ferrara, 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 good is one. one of, is one of the leads, and she's uh she's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah that. that's a funny show. I like it. Yeah, that that's that's uh kind of most of it. Been doing some, I do a lot of housework. <laughs> we're, we're we're finally like the house is finally starting to recover from like the wedding and everything. So like the kitchen's better, the living room's getting there. My vacuum cleaner is trying to kill itself. You know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's kind of that's kind of it. I mean, it's been a boring week for me. How about you, Tracy? Um, I, much like Andrew, I've been doing a lot of other stuff, but I just started this the new Netflix own Netflix created The Get Down, which is a six episode currently six episodes one season long show. They dumped it just as with any Netflix show, they dumped it all at once. The each episode is an hour and fifteen minutes or so, so it's uh, it's longer, and it's a group of black kids in 1977 New York City in the Bronx learning to 
play uh, hip hop music, learning to spin oh, record tables and stuff. Heard of this? It is yes. freaking fantastic, and it just improves from the first episode. So I'm oh, really? four episodes okay. in. I've got to watch it, watch it, watch it. You will love it. I freaking loved it. I thought the cast was phenomenal. Um, the characters are compelling. They're actually interesting people. Every single person has its own, like, their own... I, I, these are some characters that are so fleshed out, and they don't even have to have dialogue to be fleshed out. You know who they are. It's really great. Jaden Smith is in it, which is kind of weird, but he's playing himself. I mean, he's not playing Jaden Smith, but he's he, his character is exactly like he is, Go and his on. name is Dizzy. No, really, like, his name is Dizzy. And he's, Does he uh, wear a for, dress? He doesn't, but he's a graffiti artist, and he walks around just saying, like, weird things that don't make any sense. It's fucking hilarious. Sounds like they just let Jaden Smith walk on set and film Essentially, them. yes. <laughs> yeah. They put him in a 1970s-era outfit, and yeah. they were like, go, do things. That's funny, because um, I remember I read a small review about it, and it had nothing but bad things to say about the show. I mean, just, really? it just savaged it on every level. I mean, it's, uh, it's, not, it's not a documentary. To no, please I don't go into it thinking that it's a story, but no, yeah. that, that was the thing. Is this this? I forgot where I read it, but this reviewer would be just savage to think. So that's interesting that you you really liked it. Okay, good, that's cool. So me, I got to see uh, Jason Bourne over the uh, over the course of the week, and uh, I had never seen any of the other Bourne films, and I like the fact that the CIA and the government are bad guys, but after a while, it just got boring, um, and I just predictable. Uh, the only thing I did love about it was Julia Stiles gets fridged, and I fucking loved it. Finally, she, I she dies. I hate that character. I hate. I don't like her as an actress. I don't like the role she picks. I don't like the movies she's. Very, I very rarely like the movies she's in. I don't like. I don't like her as an actress. I don't like watching her. She gets shot in the back, and I'm so happy that she died. I don't care that she got fridged. Her only purpose in the movie was to die, and I was fine with that, so long as it's Julia Stiles. I'm I just think it's okay. hilarious that they tried knock off Jason Bourne and that didn't work very well, so they brought the original back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was. I mean, nothing special. And then I saw um, Arthur Poid, the uh, historical espionage thriller about the Czech patriots during World War II that assassinate uh, Reinhard Heydrich, the third in command of the of Nazi Germany. And that was okay. It was a standard uh, historical thriller drama that was pretty good. And I had I just finished. Uh, had three shows this week, and that, that was that was all pretty sweet. Um, big turnout on Thursday, and fucking crushed it. Uh, I did my human pretzel st a bit, where you have four uh, spiders lay on each other's lap, and you pull the chairs out from under them, or knee or lean back on each other's lap, and then sitting on chairs, you pull the chairs out from under them, and they stay suspended without the chairs. And apparently, a audience member in the back of the audience that I could not hear from stage did not like it. As as the men are are leaning are leaning back on each other's lap to set up this pretzel, um, an audience member is going, "Oh, it's getting gay now. Oh, it's getting really gay. This is this is gay. I wouldn't do this. This is way too gay." And apparently, my my partner Baruch is watching this, listening to this guy scream about how gay this is. Once that bit was over, the guy took out his phone, and never looked up at the stage again. Wow. Just he just he just did not like that bit, and so. I'm okay losing them on that one. That's a great bit. So, and now I've got, I ordered my copy of Ars Victor, the one hour war game. I'm so excited about this. This is, I'm going to see if I can teach Don how to do this. Very simple. We've talked about how much I love Commanding Colors. This is kind of a sci fi futuristic version of Commanding Colors, but it's designed for two players. And the whole point is that it's a game that you can get done in 60 minutes. 
Nice. And it's super cool. It's limited edition. I don't know how many of them are left. I got on Amazon. I cannot wait to open this thing out of it. It's still in the wrappers. It's still great. I can't wait to take it out. Okay. That being said, you guys have listened to Therefore I Geek podcast. Once again, I'm the dude. You guys, you guys want to do your outro? Well, you, you, don't do that? <laughs> you didn't do the plugs. What plugs? Oh, you got to do the plugs. Right. <laughs> you, just, you, 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 you jumped on that there. Yeah. Alright folks, if you like what we do, make sure you head over to thereforeageek.com. You can check out our podcasts and our blog posts. You can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. And you can find this podcast and other podcasts like it on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and YouTube. YouTube. Now you want to go? I'm the dude. I'm Tracy. And I'm Andrew. And you've been listening to Therefore a Geek. More refrigerators. <laughs>